This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 88 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Omega Fields, natural omega-3 supplements for horses. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. Today we have two guys who love their horses, and they happen to find careers that allowed them to keep their horses in their lives too. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thank you for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month. And I, of course, have my producer, Coach Jen, with me today. Hi, Greetings. Jen. Hello, Debbie. How's springtime <laughs> treating you? Oh, my gosh. It's just been great here. It's so fun. We've had, uh, you know, we were just past all the rains and everything. That happened for like three days. <laughs> <laughs> And the poppies this year, and everything is just going crazy. A few more flies, too. Okay, there's always the downside. But, you know, it's beautiful here. How about there? Uh, Spring has sprung, and we are moving quickly towards summer here in Ocala, Florida. Okay. Do you? Does that mean, like, you see more things out, like alligators or anything like that? Do you, like... Does bad things increase as good things do? Well, the reptilians do come out more. Over the winter, you don't see them much. But come springtime, once the temperatures get to uh, staying above 70 at night, which happens pretty early here, you will see wow. the snakes coming out and the alligators coming out. You actually see them? Do you, do you oh, sure. Them? Oh, my gosh. You bet. Really? Now, locally here in our neighborhood, you don't, you're not going to see an alligator very often just because there's no... No, no streams and, and ponds and the like for them to hang out in. And we're getting uh-huh. pretty far north for gators here in Ocala. They tend to be a little bit further south of us. But, um, yeah. That's good. Absolutely. If, if you've got ponds, man-made or otherwise, you're mm-hmm. likely to have alligators. You bet. But they don't mm-hmm. bother me, though, because they're big and they're generally pretty slow. And, and they really don't want to interact with you. They don't. No, yeah. they're not going so to bother you unless you corner them. Do you desensitize? Ew, who would corner? Yeah. <laughs> do who? Do you have to desensitize? Or did you have to when you moved down there? Did you have to desensitize your horses to them, or as you got your horses? I guess. Well, it was interesting when because when we first moved here, Beaker was an import. He was originally born way up north in we think Wisconsin or Michigan, mm-hmm. and very shortly, like within a week after we moved here, I was strolling down the road on a trail ride <sighs> in our neighborhood and came across a rattlesnake, a good five or six foot long. Uh-huh. You have those too. Beaker was completely nonplussed. Could have cared less. Oh. And Oops. we have zillions of lizards here, just all over the place. Big ones, medium-sized ones. And they're all the time flitting about. And for the long time, they, they would startle me because you'd be walking along and they'd skitter through the underbrush and make a terrible racket. Mm-hmm. But the horses uh, universally don't take any notice at all. Huh. Yeah. That's good. Who That's knew? good. Because it sounds like, you know, I'm thinking about that bush. It sounds a little bit like a grocery store bag to me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Why is that? Yeah. I guess it's more of a visual thing for them. I it's guess. But the, 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 every the, horse is different, though. The snakes yeah. and the lizards don't seem to bother them at all. Good. Good. Well, so how are your horses doing? The horses are all doing lovely. They've shed their, shed their winter coats, thank goodness. And mm. uh, they've been grinding the sand into their coats thoroughly on a daily basis. <laughs> Yes. yes. Oh, and, and speaking of wildlife, this is this is a fun yeah. one. We have lots of wildlife here in our neighborhood because it's pretty rural. Um, and we have a red fox that lives on one side of the property. We could see him or her a lot. I think we see the male a lot because it's pretty big. But on the mm-hmm. other side of the property, we have a little gray fox that hangs out and lives there. And that's Aww. pretty new. And where this little gray fox lives is adjacent to Scooter's Paddock. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And so does he does he notice it? Do well, you see him looking at? We're gonna say yes. <laughs> oh. It's, okay. It's, uh, yeah. It's very very heavily wooded on the the one edge of the property where his paddock is, which is where the fox is. Um, as a matter of fact, I didn't even know that it was a fox. I just knew it was a creature until the other day, and he came out uh, in the in the daylight where I spotted him, because for for months now, Scooter has just been very reactive and concerned and worried about something on that edge of his paddock. He wouldn't go oh. over there voluntarily and he would snort <laughs> at it. And we're going, what the heck is the problem? Because there's, there's snakes in there and there's raccoons in yeah. there and there's possums in there and they've been there since day one. 
Yeah. So we're very confused. But it was a fox, which I guess from a pony's point of view, especially a pony, that's a genuine predator. That's pretty big. That's the <laughs> yes, real deal, but... right? It's a fox. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably not a genuine threat, but I can see why he would be concerned about a fox versus a raccoon. Probably wants to keep keep him in his sights. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yeah. He will not take his eyes off of him. Yeah. But coincidentally, uh, kind of coinciding with this whole thing where Scooter decided that the edge of his paddock was scary, uh, my process of uh, you will catch me, I will not catch you. Oh, yes. That's the daily routine at our house. When I go mm-hmm. into the paddock, they want to come in for dinner. So they want to stand at the gate and get in my way. That's mm-hmm. not the way it works here. When I go into the paddock, I can walk wherever I want to in that paddock. And you come to me and then I put your halter on and we go get breakfast. And sometimes I play games with them and I just keep walking around the paddock and they're going, would you please stop? (laughs) They're following me around. Would you please stop? Uh, But I noticed that the scarier this fox got, the more clingy Scooter got. Because he was, it was hard to get him to make that connection to stay with me because he's a very independent little cuss. Yeah. Um, But since there was something scary, he's decided that it's not scary with me. It's safe to be with me. You're his own personal predator who's protecting him. Yes, as long as I'm there, the fox can't get him from his point of view. And he sticks to me like Velcro. <laughs> I can walk to the scary side of the paddock. I can walk right to where the, sco- the, the fox is. And he is right there on my shoulder with his little nose. Oh, sweet. It's really kind of sweet, cool. Sweet, scared little horse. <laughs> but that it was so cool. Be, and this whatever is where it that, takes. Whatever it takes. And Jamie always says it, it, it amps up the fun when you use these. Yeah. Guys. And it's yeah. so cool because when we got Scooter, when something was terrifying, that was it. He didn't run away from it, but he certainly was not going to follow you. Mm-hmm. You, were, you cool. were not to be trusted because you were part of the scary. Yeah. And yeah, you might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... There's kind of been he, there's been a shift in his his outlook on who I am as a human. Leadership, yeah. leadership. That is all. Awesome. Yeah, leadership is so important with horses. It's I think it's what they lean on. It's you know it's something yeah. in the DNA that they're looking for that leadership, isn't it? Every everybody who knows a a herd knows that there's a pecking order mm-hmm. and knows that they're looking for that leadership. It's not a negative thing at all. They you know it's not like um, you know gosh we got to build up their their self-esteem or something. What we perceive as leadership is frequently something that's a little bit askew in that we look at it as your boss at work yeah. or something like that. It's something you have to pay attention to because it's the leader versus yeah. in the horse's world, it's because you want to and it represents um, safety and success and security. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Survival. Yeah, yeah, really. It's it's instinctual that way. So cool. So that must feel pretty good, even if it's manufactured, right? It, it was awesome in that it, it kind of gave him an excuse to go, well, maybe I will buy into this because I'm really <laughs> not as good at, at the whole getting my horse to join up with me as I should be. <laughs> I, I only have really limited skills, but I try. So that just played into my wheelhouse. And I rather than... Because at first I wanted to avoid it. I said, well, we just won't, I won't walk towards that part of the paddock because I want you to be with me. Yeah. And I said, well, wait a minute. That's not the way yeah. it's supposed to work. Exactly. So a little bit at a time for, it took about two weeks, a little bit at a time. I would walk out because he has to come to me and get caught. And at first he wouldn't, he wouldn't come to me to get caught unless I faced him because that's what mm-hmm. he'd learned early on. That's what you do when you get caught. And then he pretty soon learned that you, I can just turn my shoulder and get to the 45. And he'd come up and just touch me in the shoulder and say, I'm ready to go. Better. And Yeah, that's good. Once he, oh once he, yeah, once he established that after a couple of days, once he would get his nose to me and I could just turn away again. And I could stop and start now, whereas before I couldn't. Now I can just stop and I can turn and just give him one quick rub on his neck because that's, that's what he wants. One quick, all you get. And walk off again. He comes along, turn around, walk back, quick rub on the neck, walk back. It's just so cool. It's so cool. I'm thinking everybody's listening to this thinking, where do I get a my own little predator that I can put in the corner of my Well, you know something I think for me the takeaway is don't don't think of that sort of thing as a negative part of your training. Think of it as an opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, Dad calls it distractibility. (gasps) And I always like that because it could be a distractibility. It could be anything that distracts them. It doesn't really matter what it is. But, you know, anything that makes them either 
focus on the wrong thing where you get to say, no, that's a bad choice, you know, and you get to say, well, either send away or whatever, you know, but they know that something changed. Mm -hmm. Uh, But most often he uses distractibility to come to the horse at a time when he maybe didn't want his feet picked up or something. But if he suddenly hears something in the background and he gets distracted for a second, you might be able to pick that foot up really fast, put it down and go, oh, wasn't that great? Look at that. Look what we just did there. (laughs) Yes, you're right. It's fun to see them um, go like, oh, that wasn't so bad. I, you know, I didn't die on that or anything. And he really uses that to his advantage to, um, to be able to, you know, do a little desensitizing, I guess you'd call it or something like that, where he can, he can get away with something really quickly. Just, it's gotta be a moment, you know, moment, but that's exactly, I mean, that's a perfect example, I think of really getting the Velcro out of your join up by him wanting to cling to you a little bit more, but that's his way of saying, Hey, I trust you too. Which that was kind of cool. Um, now if, when someone goes over to the Equus online university Mm -hmm. and goes to the search button on all the great videos you've got over there is, What words might they type in there to find lessons that might apply to horses that are distracted or spooky and things like that? Yeah. You know, both of those spooky, you're going to get a lot on because there's just yeah. so many. <laughs> horses yeah, are so good well, at it. <laughs> yeah, they're so good at it. You know, they, a lot of horses with spooky. But I would use distractibility or, you know, distract, you know, some form of it. Our, our mm-hmm. search is not as great as algorithms in Google, I suppose. But if you put something that is spelled, you know, like that, you'll get it. Spooky for sure. You'll get a lot. What I love about the the search button, too, is it breaks it out between the first group it, that it finds it in. It will be all the lessons. Then the second group it'll find it in and it'll show you right there on the page it will be the um q and a's and then the last one is the forum so you can say i wanted to see all the lessons so if you put distractibility in there you'll see where my says it now maybe in the forum they don't use the word as much so you might not see so many but but you put spooky in there big columns on yeah, <laughs> all three all three groups yeah. yeah but it's a great that's a great a suggestion actually is to find if you find words that Monty uses a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, like distractibility or, um, you, you um, there are some words that are kind of unique to him. Mm-hmm. And, and so a lot of it is getting used to getting around the Equus Online University a lot or listening to this show too, because I try to use the same words that he uses, um, without describing so, them just so you, so today's you show to is it. brought to you by the word distractibility. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> I love that. That's right. And you know what? Actually, that's not a bad thing because we actually are talking to a couple of guys today that uh, one, he has to bomb proof his horse to get his job. And the other is a guy that doesn't have any adrenaline in his body. He's an equine dentist and he's figured out how to do this thing without sedation. Pretty cool. cool. And he's not distracted at all. No, he goes (laughs) right for it. We're going to go right for it. Well, we're going to have a chat with the very interesting and fascinating Dr. Jeff Tucker. And we're going to do that right after this from Omega Fields. Your horse is your partner in sport, in leisure, and just in life. To keep him at his peak performance and optimal health, a solid nutritional foundation is key. Ideally, horses are able to graze fresh growing grasses, which most closely mimic their natural diet. But that may not always be possible, and we may need to supply some of those missing ingredients in today's diets and provide more functional foods. One component of a horse's diet that is often underfed are omega-3 fatty acids. While more prevalent in fresh forages, harvested forages are lower in omega-3 fatty acids due to their more advanced maturity. Obviously, grasses and legumes have to grow to a sufficient height in order to be harvested, while foraging patterns of horses show great preference for shorter, less mature plants. That's why modern horsemen and horsewomen trust Omega Horse Shine to provide a powerful, bountiful source of omega-3 fatty acids for their equine partners. Look for Omega Horse Shine from Omega Fields at your local tack and feed supplier, or you can find them online at omegafields.com. Dr. Jeff Tucker of the Equine Practice in Florida calls what he does equine dentistry without drama. He has performed his techniques on tens of thousands of horses and most without sedation. He's also founded a horsemanship dentistry school we want to talk about to teach how to connect with horses and start filling, filing their teeth in the first 30 seconds. 
Well, welcome, Dr. Tucker. It's been a while since Monty and I met you in Florida and got to see your work. How's business? Uh, I'm just so grateful that you remembered me. That was back in 2009, December. And uh, it's just been a long time. And uh, my arm was in a sling that year. So you never really saw me work. That's Um, right. But I'm I'm going all over the country. I get as far out of Seattle now and Louisiana. And I've been in Michigan and Vermont and, pardon me, Massachusetts and Vermont, New York. I've been in like 16 states so far this year. People love horsemanship. I'm so grateful that you guys are a promoter of horsemanship. And I, I just love to throw in my two bits to ride on your coattails because you guys are so important to preserving, maintaining horsemanship, Debbie. I'm so grateful for you and your dad. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you for adding that. That's really nice. Well, you know, we advocate for the horses here and you're on the team because what you're doing, I mean, people are going to want to know straight out of the shoot. So what is it that you can walk up, connect with the horse and start falling on their teeth in, in the same moment? You know, that brings up a, a quick story. Um, um, when I met your dad for the first time, I told him, I don't have 30 days. I don't have 30 minutes. I have 30 seconds to walk up to a strange horse I've never met before, assuming that he's halter broke <laughs> and, Good, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and get my hand in the horse's mouth, explore it in a steel file to start floating the teeth. And this seems to baffle people that it seems so impossible or unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's all about horsemanship skills. And it's just like if I walked up to you, Deb, and I started taking your boot off, and you're going to think I'm a nut job. You're, you know, <laughs> calling the cops, pulling out your shank. You're going to, you know, whatever. Until I use some sort of skills to get that first boot off and drop the pebbles out, uh-huh. and then I put the boot back on, and you say, "Oh wow, this feels so much better." Gee, can you do my other one? Yeah. We don't even know each other's names yet, and yet you become a willing partner. Yeah. And, and that's part of the secret, but. I got to be, um, I'm going to let out a little secret. Okay. I'm selling people the, the real gimmick for horsemanship. It's, it's so simple. It's, it's send me 50 bucks. I'll send you a box and you unwrap the box and you pull out this full length mirror and put it up on the wall. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know where this is going. Yeah. And whenever you have a problem with a horse, it's usually you yeah. because there's nobody, no person, no horse, no thing on this planet that you can change. It's impossible. The only thing that you can change is yourself. And what Melissa and I have learned to do is to change ourselves to know where our energy levels are, to drop our energy levels to zero, never reward bad behavior, never escalate anything. And we keep it down. And these horses that are frightened or worried, or I hate a man, I hate a vet uh, or whatever else, we try to get in the now and Robin Williams, the great actor who took his life, had a movie in RV. Yeah. He had this movie called RV and he's rapping and there's nobody better rapping as a comedian than him. And in the middle of the rap, he sticks his hand up, palm out to this guy. And he says, he says, talk to the hand. And we've heard this a million times. Talk to the hand. That just means, you know, if you've got a story to tell, go ahead and tell it to me, talk, talk to my hand. But in the next instant, he flips his hand over. So his palm is facing him. He says, call waiting. <laughs> and, and that's the secret. That's great. I see. Talk to the hand, call waiting. I really know that you have a story. I know you hate men. I know you hate vets. I know, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I'm not that man. And that is in that moment. And we're going to focus on the now because there really is in the realm of time, nothing in the past and nothing in the future. It is only the very moment that we're in. And if people could get in the moment, the horses fall into this and just love the fact that someone's actually paying attention, listening and communicating. And that's it. That's the whole nutshell right there. Well, that's good. It's deep. It, 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 you know, it, it is what we always know about horses that they live in the moment. And so it, it's consistent. Tell me about, I don't reward bad behavior. <laughs> it's the biggest, mm. biggest um, faux pas or mistake people make all the time with their children, with their spouses, with the guy at the Seven Eleven, everywhere. They will take um, um, something that's going on 
and they will immediately say, it's okay, it's all right, it's all right, it's okay, it's all right. And you can feel the energy in the room rise mm-hmm. as they say this. And it's so funny because I'm now old and crotchety, so I can say to these people, hey, stop rewarding bad behavior. And they look at me like, what are you saying? I say, you're nagging. And there's not a person on the planet who likes to be nagged, nor mm-hmm. does your horse like to be nagged. And once they uh, suddenly understand that they truly are nagging and they stop, all of a sudden the horse is like, ah, oh. it's like the wind is taken out of their sails and they just like oh, come to rest. Yeah. And so when a horse rears up or does something like escalates, we never say, it's okay, boy, settle down. It's all right. We just see nothing and do nothing. Mm-hmm. And we wait until the horse comes back to us. And when he does, then we reward good behavior. Say, good job. Let's keep moving on. Yeah. It's so true you're, leadership. You're, That's all. It yeah, is. it's true leadership. Good. And you, so you're really expedient about it. You, you, you move like you're in heavy oil that you keep on working. And is it a little bit like he who moves the feet wins? Is it one of those moments? Do they know um, that? I don't get it that complicated. Um, that reminds me of dance class, and I hated dancing. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there then. <laughs> well, we are already either moving in the stall or there's some sort of activity, some action. Head's going up. He's crushing. He's breathing harder, uh, whatever it is. Um, it's up to me to understand why he's doing that. Is it something I'm doing to the horse that's creating this? Is there another way I can approach it? We have something called plan A, plan B, plan C. And we as horsemen have to have at least three different ways of doing the same thing and assume that, hey, if you don't like plan A, let's try plan B. It's up to us to do the leadership here. We can't react to him reacting. As soon as we do, then all bets are off because now he's going to say, oh, well, good. Let me play this game and I'll take it up a notch. And then everybody loses. And you see this all the time from professionals down to just basic, you know, horse owners, you know, non-professionals, they react to. And Stephen Covey said in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, there is a moment of time where uh, an event occurs and there's a moment of time where you have a reaction to that event. And it's that space between those two moments that's everything. Mm. And what you do in that moment will decide whether you're going to be successful or not. And that's what every horse person has to look at, that moment between a reaction or or an action and your reaction. And if your reaction is congruent to your desired outcome that you want, the horse will get there. And as you do this over and over and over again, it gets easier and easier and easier. In fact, it's it's fun. (laughs) It's it's even fun. I love that about you. You you love what you do, and that's why you've done it for so long and so well. So, but here's here's what I'm picturing, and and I've seen you do this. So, but I didn't see you with an owner around. And I was just thinking, you know, your 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 title is your equine dentistry without drama, which I I love. I mean, what horse person wouldn't wouldn't that appeal to because we don't want our horses all upset and we don't want to be upset. And it's kind of an upsetting looking thing to see your horse all sedated in a speculum up there. And you know what a traditional equine dentistry moment looks like. And, but how do you keep the drama out of the owners? Is that an inside secret? (laughs) It's not, not so much an inside secret. Um, This is something that takes skill and if anybody's listening to this, this is not something you learn overnight. Okay. And as you, as, as people may or may not know, I'm over 65,000 horses I've worked on. So wow. there's, there's this repertoire, you know, you play the song over and over again, you get pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. Well, when I start to connect with a horse, I'm also connecting with the person. If that person is there and it just happened a couple of days ago. This woman I met for the very first time with a horse for the very first time. And she is six foot two, which wow. is a tall for a woman. So we're looking at each other eye to eye. And she's telling me all the problems with the horse. He's head shy. He doesn't like men. You know, he comes from a bad background. You know, he's, she starts listening to all this thing. And my Robin Williams hand comes up <laughs> and says, talk to the hand. In the meantime, the horse and I are connecting silently. My back's turned to the horse and the horse comes up, lightly touches my back of my arm with his nose. And I knew that we were connected just like that. So now it was a, it's a horse owner more than the horse. Yeah. And so when the lady got done with her talking, 
And I said to her, that's great. I understand that. But this is going to be different. This is the moment that we're working in. I turn to the horse and I silently say to the horse, this is, this is going to be fun. And the horse is always like, yeah, she's a nut job. <laughs> and, 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 she doesn't and, listen to this. Yeah. Well, no, it's not so much. He said, the, the horse basically said, look, I love the owner. She gives me food. I, this is great. But really, I've been looking for somebody who I can talk to. Mm. And the smarter the horse is, the more they want a communication. And so many people hate thoroughbreds because thoroughbreds communicate as bet- better than almost any other breed out there. And that scares people. And, and so this horse and I just, I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start over here on the lower right side. And the horse says, okay, you know, a little bit of hesitation. And I take that off and he says, oh, that's not so bad. He senses my confidence and yeah. confidence is really important. Um, and confidence, good leaders are confident. They may be wrong, but as long as they're confident, people will follow them. <laughs> but, it's, but if you do this enough times, you're more right than wrong. Right. So right. anyway, at the, by the at our time I was done, the lady was almost in tears and disbelief that I could do this without drugs. And the horse stood there and the horse came back up to me, said, thank you, touched me, you know, net, didn't run off. Just all the things that nobody expected to happen. Yeah. Counterintuitive. Counterintuitive. And you see it every, yeah. 65,000 now. I'd love to bring in one of your customers here. Jen, is Jen Hebert on the call now? (laughs) 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 She told me a story right before we we started this interview uh, without you on the phone about you working on Nigel. Now, because Everything you've said so far sounds perfect. I mean, I can hear the phones ringing, right? Like, I want a dentist like that. But um, but some people might be thinking, it sounds too good to be true. And Jennifer told me that you worked on Nigel. Tell me, Jen. Well, when the first time you worked on Nigel, not this last time you were out, but the first time you had never met Nigel before. I had never had Nigel's teeth done before, so didn't have any idea what was going to happen. But you discovered in short order that Nigel still had his wolf teeth at the age of nine. Thought, mm, that's probably not a good idea. They should probably come out. And you were working on his mouth and, and checking things and doing what you do. And he said, okay, we're going to take those out. And you got your little tool out that you take those out with. And you stuck your hand in there and you put your little pliers to it and went pink and took them out. Now, you it, it was a bit of an effort, but then... Uh, Dr. Tucker is built a little bit like um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, so it wasn't a whole lot of effort for him. <laughs> for, for a normal human being, probably it was. But it, it was very interesting because when I when I relayed this to other people, they were utterly shocked and and disbelief and offended and irate because you would be so cruel to this horse as to pull out a wolf tooth without sedating the horse first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I watched it. I was standing there watching this whole thing. And all the while, you'd both of them, and all the while, Nigel was just standing there looking at you. It's like, okay, pull that out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if he was in pain, if he was distressed, if he was upset, right. he would have told us. There was no yeah. chain on a lead rope. There was no twitch. There was no nothing. Yeah. It's literally a halter and a lead rope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And trust. And trust. And trust. Yeah. And okay. it's it's very interesting to me because we have been so trained by the medical community and the miracle of sedation and the, yeah. the miracle of painkillers that it is cruel to not use those. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily the case. It's not necessarily required. The horse will tell you if he's in pain. And he didn't tell me. Now you gave him some. And I had, go ahead. And I had the drugs right there, and I make money if I give drugs. Yeah, I could have dipped Good in point. your purse more. Yeah, and right? you, you, yeah, you had brought so the bottle didn't. out, and you put it in your pocket, and it's like, well, we'll see if we need this. And for the second tooth, yeah. you said, you know, this tooth is is not as loose as the other one. So you gave him a painkiller, and he said, and it wasn't a set, set sedative. I guess it's different. And huge difference. It's huge difference. You gave him a painkiller, and he didn't drop his head and go all sleepy leepy. And not 10 minutes after you were finished working on him, you, you filed his teeth and you pulled those two, two uh, wolf teeth out. He went over and he was nibbling. He was just munching down on his hay. Really? Wow. Just, he just stuffing his hay, hay, face full of hay in the hay net. So it, ah, yeah. I love that. 
so you you've covered a huge point, which is how does a horse act afterward? And uh, you know, d- was he happy with the whole situation? Is he relaxed enough to go eat again? That's that's he was, huge. He was perfectly content, as if nothing had ever had ever happened in his day. It didn't look drugged a- either. Oh, and no. you did, yeah, and they don't get all that. You don't lose a day like that too. The the other thing you brought up though is you said that Jeff looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He is a big guy. We'll we'll put your picture up there, Jeff. We got a cute photo with you. Thank you for that. Yeah, we'll photo put with the a horse. Picture up of Melissa because Melissa. That's is what I was going to ask. Size. You. Well, she's tiny. It has I nothing thought. to do with strength. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. So it's tell us all... about Melissa. Melissa's been with you what eight plus years now or something? It'll be eight years this September. Um, that's right. So I, I had it wrong, but it's whatever. It's 2009 when I, I saw you. So that's coming up on eight. Yeah. Uh, she is just, she's up to about 12,500 horses mm-hmm. on her own, which is just a huge number. And if you ever read the book outliers by, um, Malcolm, um, Glad- Gladwell, uh, which is a great book. If you never read it, he proposes that when people do things 10,000 times, they now become an outlier. They're just not they're well beyond just flying the plane. They're now can land the plane on water, that type thing. Gotcha. Um, so uh, she's an outlier now. She can handle just about any horse that comes her way. And together, we looked up uh, in the year 2016, all the horses that we did. And the statistics came in as three horses out of every 100 that we saw, that's 3%, received mm-hmm. medications. The other 97%. No medications. And why do now, you think that is? Is that because they horsemanship were horsemanship skills? Thank you. Horsemanship okay. skills. Mm-hmm. Let's just yeah. cut to the chase. And mm-hmm. uh, honestly, I think uh, in the veterinary profession, uh, the the students are overwhelmed in school. They are being taught so much from how to turn the machine on, you know, to how to read the machines that that they're not even given a chance to figure out what the horse is. And so there's a safety factor. And I think the schools are trying to promote safety by saying, just drug every horse to do whatever you have to do. Sure. It's a CYA, we call it. (laughs) Cover cover your pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And you started a school. I think you should tell people about that. You've got a school now for horsemanship dentistry school. Yeah. I feel like my mission in life is to preserve horsemanship as it is used in dentistry. Because we have to realize, and I know you guys are a big uh, fan of the Brook, which is the uh, organization that helps uh, traction animals be suburban throughout the world. And according to them, there's about 100 million horses, asses, and mules. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if it's somewhere between six and a half to 10 million of those are in the United States. So we're talking 90 million horses, asses, and mules in the world with Ethiopia being the country that has the most animals than Mm -hmm. any other country in the world. And these people don't have the ability to have power tools and drugs. So my horsemanship dentistry school.com is, is all about reaching people throughout the world, giving them an opportunity to provide this type of care. And all they have to do is somehow get a sharp blade in there. I'll show them all the techniques of how to approach a horse that's never been worked on before and get the very back teeth using about 12, about 24 different techniques that we have inside the horse's mouth. And we get every point and the horses just melt. I mean, I did 14 horses today. I didn't have to drug one. Not there one. You go. Look at that. That is, I just got chills. Yeah. It really, that's like doctors without borders people. That's really fun. Yeah. 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 What a great, what a great so, thing for volunteers. So everyone's all up in arms about in America, you can't teach non-veterinarians how to float teeth and this, and you can't teach it online. Well, the people who've come through the school and done the whole thing, horsemanship dentistry school are, are they got walk away just stunned in disbelief that they actually did what I said that they could do. They're just stunned. And it's such a grateful. So you could go home and do your own horses at least. I mean, don't worry about it. It's your own horses, but I don't want you to be out of job. (laughs) I want you to stay in there. Um, We need you. Yeah. Thanks. Um, That seems to be working. Okay. So far. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah. That's why you had 14 today. That's right. Well, I'd like to find enough people and set them up throughout the United States, if not the world. I'd like to get a move on horsemanship dentistry going. It's one of my goals, kind of like what Monty does. You know, yeah. he's trying to get a movement going of people learning how to take care of a horse the right way. 
Absolutely. So yeah, it's just the teeth part. All right. Let's, let's get, have you approached the book about this? <sighs> no. Let's do that. Um, we are going to talk. We're going to talk. We, I, I really think this would be something fun. I mean, we're working now in Guatemala. Dad went to India. You know, there there are lots of places that uh, we can talk about that uh, need your help. So, and they're all full of working this. equids. Working equids yep. is what they call them because that's the tractor, yep. you know, in Ethiopia, yep. Opia and India and Guatemala. So, and we're advocating for those horses' health and, and well-being. So, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Tucker. I want to have you back. We want to talk about, my gosh, we didn't even touch nutrition and some of these other things that you're passionate about, too. Oh, my gosh. Do you want, (laughs) you know, the number one problem in horses, and I know that the grain companies don't like to hear this, but hindgut ulcers. Yes. Hindgut ulcers. And we've cured everything from horses afraid to go on trailers, horses that are bucking when they start to canter, horses that are non-sweaters. Mm-hmm which big thing down here, mm-hmm. all of it just ends um, between between four and 14 days off no grain. And oh, it just calm right that. down. It's just it's amazing. I want to talk to you about that too. So we have to have you back, but I do appreciate you cutting out some time in your swift day from birthing zebus and working on teeth, some of the things we've talked about. But <laughs> Life My is never goodness. dull. Someday Dr. In- Tucker is going to be a TV show. I think so. There's a there's a well, great doc over in in the UK that I think you you would rival over here. I think that there's a lot of people out there like minded, and I think we just have to get a solid voice out there. And that's why I'm so gr- appreciative of what you're doing, uh, both of you. You know, just helping out and making this, getting the word out. So it's a lot thank of fun. You. It's a lot of fun. A lot of hard work, but it's a lot of fun. So all right. Well, thank you for Absolutely. joining us today on Horsemanship Radio, Doctor Tucker. You're welcome. Thank you. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forum. And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. Brent Slusky gets to hang out in Malibu on his Mustang Duke. Yep, he volunteers as a posse rider for the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department assigned to the Lost Hills or Malibu area. His day job is as a clinical technology manager at Kaiser Permanente, responsible for all the medical equipment in two hospitals and 29 clinics. For 24 years, he's been doing that. But he says that's what pays the bills and allows him the pleasure of horses. He and his equine partner have made it all the way to fully qualified and deployable law enforcement posse riders, something that's only achieved by 1% of all the horses in the country. Well, welcome, Brent. Thank you for joining us. I, I love that there's a posse for, for Malibu, California, but the obvious question is, why is there a posse for, for Malibu? What do you have to protect? Well, there's actually in this, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, there are actually seven stations that have posses. Currently, there's 83 civilians within those posses, but we do, we're basically eyes and ears for the, the badged officers. We'll be sent and deployed into areas that the community might request a little extra coverage where they've seen some some activities that makes them uncomfortable. Uh, we will always... Uh, do patrols on holidays on the beaches because that's a big problem. Uh, we do parades. We will do uh, fireworks shows. We will do concerts that they have in certain parks. We'll do football games, pretty much anything that the community asks for or if the station sees a need for, for us to be out there because we do provide uh, eyes and ears for the badged officers. That's it. So you get requests from the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department then to say, hey, there's something going on here or there, and we need your help. Is that right? From them or the community, yes. Or the community. So somebody in the community could say, hey, there's been some weird people driving up and down our road or something, and and you get to patrol that area. Is that right? Yeah, something along those lines. Recently out in Hidden Hills here in Southern California, there was a lot of uh, a rash of burglaries, so we were asked to patrol Mm -hmm. Uh, in that community, just to be a presence, 
you're mounted, you're in a uniform, you know, you've got the radio, you look like you're, we're law enforcement and it, uh, it provides a great service. It keeps people in line. I love that. I, I love that. I think people would love that. I bet there's a lot of people who don't even know that that exists. Are there, you said there's 84, but are there a lot of posses around, uh, in like in California? I don't know about nationally, but in California, are there? I'm not sure of the other sheriff stations throughout the state. I do know that Los Angeles Police Department is developing a community, what they call a community cavalry, which is doing basically the same thing under the auspices of the LAPD, but that's just beginning. Uh, The posse from the sheriff station started in 1852, actually. Oh my gosh, wow. The the civilian part of it didn't happen until the early 90s, but uh, you know, L.A. County Sheriff Stations, that started in 1850, and the posse started in 1852. So how does it it look? I mean, I'm thinking anybody who's got, uh, you know, a horse and they like to get out and do things like down here in the Orange County area, we have Irvine Ranch Conservancy, and they want people to mount their horses, and they've trained them a little bit, but they want them to walk the properties and kind of check and see all these acres and acres and acres of uh, wild land that maybe something's going wrong on, you know? So how would somebody, um, get started with the posse is first, first education. That's why I wanted to have you on is so we tell everybody about you, but is that the first step is that people don't even know that much about you or is it because it's so hard to get in? No, it's actually probably uh, more a lack of knowledge. Uh, I, we, we try to ex- get ourselves exposed to the public as much as possible, but that doesn't seem to be the, the best uh, avenue for us. So we use the flyers and we advertise on Facebook and things like that. It's to, to get people interested. Uh, it is a rather long process to get into the posse with the sheriff's department because we, A, we are representing the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, yeah. and B, we have to be trained fairly highly because we are deployed into the public. And the public with a 1,200-pound horse could be a disaster unless you're properly trained. Good point. Yeah, that's true. But now you, let's get to you personally. You've been more than five years, I think you said, at this, um, at, at being a posse team. In the posse, yes. Yeah, in the posse. And your assistant team lead right now. So have you kind of worked up your your way in the ranks? Or um, how did you get to be assistant team lead? It was time in place. And uh, I volunteer for everything. It's pretty much if they need me for whatever, be it mounted work or ground support or something in training, uh, I'm I'm always available to them. It's 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 how I give back to the community. Mm, it's nice, yeah. And I see that you you've ridden with the Spirit of the West Riders uh, for the support of the John Way Cancer Foundation. Uh, you've been in the Rose Parade. That's um, not everybody gets to say that. You know, even going to the Rose Parade is a pretty cool thing. But riding a horse in it. And you've been a uh, representative for the National Day of the Cowboy, and you volunteer for Chuck Wagon Trailers. What I'm seeing is a really good horse in your in your um, repertoire. Am, am I right? Yeah, I've been very blessed with my my horse, my partner. Yeah, tell us very, about very Duke. Tell us about Duke. Well, oddly enough, it was my wife. When I met her, she'd been around horses since she was 13 in the Girl Scouts back in Long Island, New York, of all places. <laughs> so she was around them a lot. I met her. She had a horse, and I had already always appreciated horses and their just their grace and their power, but I didn't know anything about them. <laughs> Started dating her, and then she got me a book from Monty Roberts, oddly enough, uh-huh. the man who whispers and listens to horses. And I read that quick read two nights. And I was hooked. I oh, said, I really? Need to do this, and I didn't even have a horse. I said I have to do this. So I actually tried the join-up method from Monty on an Appaloosa of all horses at the ranch where my wife had her horse, and I was successful. And it was the most incredible thing to experience. <laughs> Tell us about that. That's that one of those things where the hair goes up on the back of your neck. But you know, we don't get to hear guys talk about it very much. Tell us about that experience. You're, you're absolutely right. The hair just did go back on my on my <laughs> neck. It was in, it was so intense to to read what Monty was teaching and his philosophy, and it just set so well in my head that I, I really really wanted to try this out to the benefit of myself and to the horse. And I tried it, and I worked with the, the horse's name was Jojo. I kept working with him, working with him, using the the, the techniques that Monty teaches. And one day it, we got to that place, and I just rounded turned my back on him and he came up and he 
he muzzled me right on my shoulder and I, I, I just about fell over. Yeah. Yeah. It was the most intense thing. I said, this is what I want to do. And then I was shortly after that, I was fortunate enough to get my boy, Duke, who is a, a Mustang. His, his mom was a wild one in Nevada. So he's yeah. a full Mustang. And through the 12 years we've been get together, we've taught each other just about everything. And now we're fully deployable with the sheriff's department, which is kind of cool. And is that a big part of the fact that you have um, just such a reliable horse and you're willing to be there with them? Is that a big part of the job? Oh, yeah. There's a big time commitment, a, mm-hmm. a big time commitment. You have to obviously go through a lot of training with the animal and you're learning at the same time. And thankfully, mm-hmm. I had that foundation with Monty Roberts that I use continually. Now, mm-hmm. All the people that I've run across within the posse, with the sheriff's department at least, use the same natural horsemanship type of philosophy. So we're all teaching the same type of thing to our horses. And you really do need to have that as you move forward in your learning with the, with the sheriff's department and the testing that you go through, which is quite extensive. Is it? Uh, but if you have that good foundation and that good relationship with your horse, the rest of it comes pretty easy. Yeah. I say that, that after 13 years. But yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, you made the commitment to do it, too. So 13 years, you can say that with validity. So um, is there a good story that you have, you know, something on the Malibu Beach or something that, that edifies pretty much what you're talking about, a good horse? And in a situation, have you ever been in a situation where there was a crowd or something where you really had to have a good horse under you? We, uh, not this past Christmas holiday, but the one before when I was with the Santa Clarita Sheriff's Station, we did mall patrols up in Valencia. There's a big mall up there. And we would do it from Thanksgiving to New Year's Day. We would be out there primarily on the weekends, but we would patrol the parking lot and all that. Uh, and they always said there was no, no auto burglaries the whole time we were there. It was something that we were very proud of. But you're involved with an awful lot of people. And you're also dealing with a lot of traffic. So your horse has to be comfortable with that. And you, yeah. a lot of our training is desensitizing I'm getting used to these type of things where uh, cars going by, horns honking, radios blaring, those type of things are basic proficiency test stuff that we have to do. And then with you around people, they have to be comfortable with people because we're such a great benign interface between law enforcement and the public and deputies tell me all the time that nobody ever asked to pet my squad car but they always want to pet the horses so and it's great for the little kids the medium-sized kids and even the older kids there's something approachable about a horse and then if your horse has been trained appropriately they react properly to the to the crowds and it's not too much of a challenge there right Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, I, because, you know, the Rose Parade, I think, would be the ultimate test of having so many, you know, we like to call people carnivores, right? The horses know that we pretty much are the the, the predators in the food chain. And mm-hmm. to, to I can't even imagine. What was that experience like? Well, the Rose Parade certainly is not the, a first parade for anybody. You yeah. have to have some, some mileage underneath your belt. And we've been through a number of different parades, and it's we've never really had a problem. After going through the training with the sheriff's department, the sensory that we went through, the parade was kind of a nothing to him. He, he handled it very, very well. When you say very, very well now, how was he prepared? Like, do you have shoes on, no shoes on? Do you do the um, – do you have to – does he ace – do you ace a little bit or – Take no, the edge off at all? No, no, no acing. Acing is something from personally, I, it, it's, it's not a recommended thing because it does kind of get the horse a little too relaxed. And then when they kind of come out of it, all of a sudden they're in this very highly sensory environment. If they're, yes. if they're not prepared for that, that could be really bad. As far as shoes in the Rose Parade, the horses are required to have shoes with borium in the shoes or borium nails for traction on the asphalt because if it gets wet, we know that's very, very slippery. So that's required in the Rose Parade. More community parades, it's kind of whatever you feel comfortable with. I have shoes with borium nails on anything I do on asphalt. That's just how I handle it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you're on the beach, um, is there any issues with feet do you have to stay in the wet sand or do you you know i'm just no, a lot of people never fine. get 
They're fine on the beach. Yeah, that's yeah, great. They're fine. It's the, the first time they're a little weird. They're a little hesitant because the, it's not as solid as the ground. Of course, right. it's a little. There's a little give to it, so they it takes a little while for them to get used to it. And I remember when we went down for training with with Duke the first time he saw it. He'd never seen the ocean before. Right. He was amazed that that this huge thing out there that was making noise at him. It was, it was <laughs> fascinating to watch. But he he got over that real quick. Did he? Yeah, because it is almost vertigo for some of those horses. When you're walking toward the waves, that wave is rolling at them, and then the, the tide is going out. Anybody who's had a horse on a beach, that tide going out looks feels to them a little bit like the ground is going out from under them, yet there's this roll coming at them. It's a lot to ask. We're not allowed to go into the water. Darn we can go. I know. We, but we're we're we're. It's the only way you can ride your horse on the beast, at least in Southern California, is you have to be with the sheriff's department. That's the only way you can do that. And it's only a few beaches that we patrol, but it is. Uh, it's the only way you can get to ride your horses on the beach. And of course, when the public sees that, it, that's a a big deal. I bet. I bet you're a big draw down there. So do you? Yeah. Have to watch for people coming up behind you and being silly or doing anything like that. Yeah, you you definitely need to be aware of your surroundings. They always teach us that. Be aware of what's going on. And there's certain things when we go, if we were to contact a, a citizen for whatever reason, there's ways that we position our horses so we can cover and watch the, the behind the other rider and they can watch behind us. And then, of course, we are also there to, to support and protect the officer as well. Yeah, that's right. I bet they appreciate you. You sound like such a nice gentleman too, Brent. I hope I get to meet you in person. I know you're not too far away from us. I'm really glad I saw you up on that Starbucks uh, little billboard that they have that you're looking for for posse riders too. And it is a big commitment. But tell us, I mean, I've got a, a great group of listeners and some in California and they'd love to know a little bit more about how do you get this job? It's not a job. Volunteer job. It's it's an experience, and it's a wonderful experience. It's pretty simple. We do require you have your own horse because you will train with that horse, and you will be uh, evaluated and uh, deployable with that horse. You can't just show up with any old horse to a deployment. You have to go through specific training and specific testing with that horse. Mm -hmm. You need to have a pretty free access to a truck and trailer, ideally your own truck and trailer, but if you don't, free and ready access to it. Then it's the case of contacting your local sheriff station. In our case, it would be Lost Hills Malibu, but there's Lomita, there's Altadena Industries, San Dimas, Temple, Palmdale, any one of those stations, call them up, say, I'm interested. They'll get you started through their recruitment process. If you get through that recruitment process, then you go through and the first testing that you go through is basic proficiency. Can you saddle your horse properly and safely? Can you put the bridle and the bit in appropriately and safely? A lot of it's all safety. Can you turn your horse on the forehand? Can you turn your horse on the haunches? Can anybody lead your horse? Can you back it straight? That's all just ground stuff. Mm -hmm. Then you're mounted. You'll do a slalom course at the walk trot, and then you'll go down to the canter. You'll do a one-range stop. Then you go to what we call the U, which is scares everybody and it is it's a tough one where you you walk in straight side pass over back out go back in side pass the other direction come back out halfway turn around within the delineators without knocking him over and come back out people really struggle with that yeah yeah then we go after that we get into the middle of the arena they send in a radio car get the, the lights going and the siren going and they, just, <laughs> they will drive around you and your horses can look, but your horse needs to maintain its position. Gotcha. Then we go to the street. We will walk up and down the street and they will have cars driving by honking their horns and radios playing and people yelling and being obnoxious. <laughs> if you get through all that, that's your basic proficiency skills. That's your basic proficiency test. Then you can be deployed into rural trail deployments. You can't go into public things. You can't do mall patrol or, or concerts in the park or anything like that. That's a whole nother set of training, which is a 40-hour training and testing period. And it is 40 hours, two and a half weekends. And it's pretty intense. And it goes through all sorts of sensory things, uh, horsemanship skills, and all this has to be demonstrated. And if you pass that, if you pass that, then you're fully deployable. 
So it, yeah, it's, that's, a, that's... it's about two years in, in most cases to get through all that. Some people go quicker, but sometimes it takes two years to get your horse ready to go through these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you had a job, if you had a job, that's about all your vacation time right there too. So you got to. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, you you have to want to do it, yeah. but it is such a, a wonderful feeling when you're out there and you're you know you're representing the sheriff's department and people are talking to you and you can share these wonderful stories and they everybody likes you because you got the horse. It's great. Uh, and you're a great ambassador for our our brave policemen these days too. So, you know, I, I love that, that they've embraced you guys and use you as eyes and ears out there too, and that you represent them well. That's, that's awesome. We get a tremendous, tremendous about a, a amount of support from our local sheriff's departments. I believe you. I think that sounds wonderful. I, I can't imagine anybody um, who wanted to do, you know, get your horse out, do some volunteer work anyway, and is willing to go through all this work to get it done. What a challenge for you and your horse, and what a great way to represent horses out there with good horsemanship. I, It's a perfect, a perfect melding, I think, Brent, and I really appreciate that you're doing that for us in our Los Angeles area. Heaven knows those, Mal- you know, you don't see any Baywatch babes out there or anything when you're on the beach, do you? I bet you do. They watch, no. But <laughs> no, there's probably there's a babes out, out there. Yes, no. Malibu. So we're, we're on is, duty. Y- of course you are. That's right. You've got blinders on. You and and Duke yeah. too. <laughs> well, exactly. thank you. Yeah, they, thanks for sharing a little bit of the fun with us, and thanks for sharing how to become a posse rider for the uh, for maybe a sheriff's department near you, so people can look into that. And we advocate for keeping horses in people's lives. This is the ultimate. I love it. It, it is a is really fulfilling way to give back to the community. It is quite a commitment, but the payoffs, you just can't put a price on it. It's you know, I'm going to ride my horse anyway. This yeah. way I get to ride with purpose. And it's just such a great feeling to be out there and, and get that positive feedback from the public. It's great. Yeah. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of the Dear Monty, I have an untouched horse and I am in big trouble. My question is, how do I get a halter or head collar on an untouched horse? Help! Monty's answer. I love working with these horses. We're currently building a new untouched horse facility as part of our school here on Flag is Up Farms in California. We have many courses that deal with the untouched horse as part of a primary part of the lessons offered. A chute, crush, or small enclosure is very helpful when it comes to putting on the first head collar. The structure is made up of planks or metal pipe tubing with spaces between them. These spaces are large enough for an artificial arm to go through so you can stroke the horse while standing outside the chute. There should be steps on the outside so you can stand in a position where you can reach the head and neck over the top of the chute without placing yourself in danger. Once in this small enclosure, we ask the horse to accept a lot of touching and rubbing with our human hands. I also recommend the use of an artificial arm as described later in answers about one-sided horses and horses that are difficult to shoe. I rub them all over this arm, all over their body, under their belly, and down their legs. Having accomplished these procedures, I then begin to touch the horse's head and neck and introduce him to the halter while he is standing in the chute. There is a logical process to be followed after the first halter has been put on. This is well covered in the DVD, You and Your Wild Horse. It is crucial that one stays in a safe position at all times while working with untouched horses. Ian Vandenberg and Kelly Marks work together as instructors in my concepts in England. They have devised a clever system that uses a forked stick with a hook on it to put the halter on an untouched horse. It is quite something to see and very effective. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says Get free horse tips. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? 
Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. It's a big summer. July 10 through 21, we have our Gently Wild Horses course. And that's for all levels, and it goes for two weeks. It's unbelievable. Really fun. July 31st to August 4th is Monty's special training in California at Flag is Up Farms. And that's one where we just keep bringing horses into the round pen, and he keeps working with the issues of the day as he sees them. It's a lot of fun, and people come from all over the world. There will also be a Portuguese translation as part of that. Cool. And you can find all of this and more at MontyRoberts.com, or you can give him a call at Flag is Up Farm. The phone number there is 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show... You can find those at HorsemanshipRadio.com, where we'll have links to today's guests, photos, and more information. And we love your feedback. You can do that on Facebook. Just follow follow Monty on Facebook by typing in Monty Roberts. And you can also follow him on Twitter. His handle on Twitter is Monty underscore Roberts. And get the iPhone or Android app for your phone. Don't don't miss any shows. Go to your app store and and, uh, search Horse Radio Network. Download it today. It's quick. It's free. And it's easy. And you can also subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Oh, yeah, that's right. Everybody's doing it. Podcasts are everywhere now. It's really fun. Many thanks to our sponsors, Omega Fields and Monty's Equus Online University. And be sure to visit all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network, too, at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. (laughs) 